Wisconsin on Monday, September 28th edition of the TV on Basketball Podcast with your host, TV. The NBA Finals is almost here. The Conference Finals are over. We're going to be talking about those in depth. This is just a purely NBA Finals preview slash, you know, special podcast today. I'm super excited for these for these for this um, finals matchup. We will get into it for a bit. We're going to be talking about the conference finals. What do I expect from the losers of those series? We're going to talk about how the winners were able to, you know, win out in their series and the type of matchup that they're going to have in the finals, which begin on Wednesday. So, as you can tell, I mean, it's kind of hard for me to put together these words, but I'm just super excited for some great NBA basketball. And I know for you NBA fans, you guys are excited too. So. Yes, thank you for clicking onto this pod and wanting to hear my thoughts on this. If you um, are excited for the NBA playoffs, remember to drop a like on the YouTube video uh, and show your support on all the podcast networks. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff to talk to today. No other outside topics. We are strictly focusing on these playoffs, um, the review of the conference finals, and the preview of this upcoming finals. So yeah, very excited about that. But before we get into this episode, I'm going to have to do some housekeeping. Remember to follow me on TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates on the podcast and for other content. If you are watching this on YouTube, like, share, and subscribe. That would be very much appreciated. And if you are um, on any of the podcast networks, remember to show love on Podbean, you know, follow, like, all that good stuff, uh, download as well. If you're on the podcast networks, leave a five-star review. That'd be very much appreciated. And also subscribe so you won't miss a podcast. And remember, we're on Anchor and Spotify as well. All those links can be found in my bio through my link tree. And yeah, just thank you for the continuous support. We are almost over 700 followers on over 700 followers on Instagram. So thank you for that as well. And yeah, just thank you guys for all the support you guys have been given. And with the NBA Finals coming up, I'm excited to be you know, giving my two cents on, like, um, what to, like, expect and just for in these games in general. So very excited about that. Also, one more thing. It's going to be kind of a weird podcasting schedule. I'm going to try and figure out a schedule, maybe do a podcast after every game. We're going to have to wait and see. But, yeah, just very excited to talk about this series. So, yeah, that's all the tasks we have to do. Let's get right into some of the reviews of these NBA conference finals and we're going to go with the series that just concluded last night we're going to be talking about the heat and celtics game in which the miami heat were able to close out the series in six games by defeating the boston celtics 125 to 113 on the miami heat side of things you know 32 points from bam Adebayo, 14 rebounds five assists he was absolutely instrumental in that victory he was so good jimmy butler chipping in 22 points in this game dishing out eight assists Drogic with 13, Duncan Robinson with 15, 19 from Hero, 15 from Iguodala, hitting four threes after not being able to be effective from three whatsoever in this series. This guy comes out and hits four threes, which is absolutely crazy, and also nine points from Jay Crowder. On the Boston side of things, four players over 20 points once again, 26 from Brown, 24 from Tatum, 20 apiece from Smart and Walker, and Hayward off the bench with 12. This game was absolutely crazy because the Miami Heat and Boston Celtics were just going back and forth, back and forth. And it really did feel like in that third quarter that Boston was finally taking control of this game. It was felt like, it, like a repeat of game number f- five where 
the Heat got the game kind of early and the Boston Celtics were just going to be able to come in the second quarter and just completely take over this game. And that's what it kind of looked like because they were hitting shots from like getting shots from Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. They were playing absolutely fantastic defense, getting steals, getting on the fast break. It really did look like a repeat of game five. But the Miami Heat in the fourth quarter honestly just locked down and had one of their best offensive quarters probably of the playoffs, scoring 37 points in that quarter. And just so many guys just getting involved. Bam Adebayo was absolutely schooling Tyson to post, hitting and one, post hooks, mid-range jumpers, whatever. This guy was being an absolute menace in the paint. Jimmy Butler taking them home late in that game as well. Being able to get shots from Tyler Hero once again, who did not have a 37-point game, but 19 points off the bench is another great performance. Like I said, Andre Godala was absolutely fantastic in this game as well. And when the Celtics, you know, were getting control of that game in that third quarter, Andre Godala was keeping them in it, hitting three after three after three, which is absolutely crazy. And the Heat did this like they've done it all season long as a collective effort. You don't know who's going to be the leading scorer on this team because although Jimmy Butler is the leader, this guy loves deferring to his teammates. And he did it once again in this game. Bam Adebayo was like the star of this game. If you've seen my three stars, this guy, I mean, he's just so, so good as like a center and is already in the finals as one of the best young centers in the league. So this guy is just amazing. And they just have all these guys that can hit shot after shot for them. And they, the fact that they have these rookies that, you know, just look so seasoned and already give such a big impact on a finals contending team is absolutely crazy. And, just their collective effort is what gave them this win. You know, for Boston, it looked like they were going to win this game in the third quarter, but they kind of let the foot off the gas pedal. Their defense very much slowed down in that fourth, and Miami just ran away with the momentum and eventually got them to win. So, yeah, congratulations to the Heat for making the first conference final since 2014. And the team that they're facing is is going to be, you know, the guy that led them there in 2014, Mr. LeBron James. So we will get into that later. But we're going to talk about just the series in general because the Heat has become the Cinderella story of the NBA, being the number five seed going into the playoffs this year. And their effort, their continuity, their culture. And I want to focus on that culture because that's this culture that they've developed in Miami. And it's kind of been around here for a while, but with this new regime, with um, Jimmy Butler there getting these rookies, making sure that the evolution of them is here, like happens and stuff like that, is a big reason why they were able to do this. Like I talked about it earlier, just so many guys, like you don't know who's going to be the leading score that night, like and like from night to night, whether it's going to be Jimmy Butler, um, Goran Dragic, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero maybe at some point. Like it's, it's just crazy how like this team – after just, like, one season. I mean, this is just, like, a one-season type thing. And this is, like, their first season with this new group of guys. And they're just able to play so well together. And everyone is bought in. Like, you could just see, like, even, like, I've been looking at past interviews of these, like, teams as well. Seeing the, like, the slam interview with um, the Miami Heat, you know, with Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler. These guys look just so connected. And you could tell, like, they all are up for the same goal, which is to win the NBA championship. And the culture, like I said, I mean, they they know it's about the team and it's no one is playing selfishly. 
I've talked about in the past, you know, Tyler Hero, when he went out for that 37-point game, he wasn't forcing his shots. He was getting them in the flow of his offense. And the thing is, with, like, the flow that the Heat play with, anyone can get theirs. And in certain nights, some guys are going to be hot, some guys aren't going to be. And that's what we find with the Heat because they trust all their guys. Um, Spo is playing, like, this seven-man rotation, basically, and it's working to perfection. Kind of eerily similar to like, how the Raptors did last year, you know, going with Kawhi, um, Van Vliet, Larry, Norm as, like, kind of that guy off the bench, Ibaka and Gasol. And it's, like, Danny Green. It's just that seven-man rotation. It just works out, especially, like, you want to have your best guys playing these big minutes, and they're just delivering. And I'm just glad, you know, Jimmy Butler having his own team for the first time. Not the first time, but having, like, the team that he wants to have around him. Like, he wants dogs on his team. They got dogs. And this has just changed the narrative because a lot of people were saying in Minnesota when he was with the 76ers that he was the problem. He was bringing down these players. But really, all he wanted to do was win. And when you surround him with people who just want to win, this is what happens. And I don't care what anyone says. No one expected this. If you told me before the bubble, even before the players that the Miami Heat were going to the finals, I'd be like, you're lying. You are, like... You're out of your like you're out of your mind. Like it, this is just not a thing that can sustain for this long, but it has. <laughs> it's just absolutely amazing to see how they're able to get there. So yeah, you know, congratulations to Miami Heat. Their culture is absolutely fantastic. One of the most fun teams to watch in this bubble, and I am looking forward to them to see see them. You know, fight against you know this juggernaut of a Lakers team led by you know two of the top five players in this league. But And we're going to talk about how they're going to be able to do it. And, yeah, we're going to get into that later on in the podcast. But we're going to have to talk about the Boston Celtics because I really think that the Celtics have the roster to win an NBA championship. I truly do. But I'm going to keep pushing this point to the ground. I've been saying it since day one. And this series really did show that they were missing one thing, and that is a center. Daniel Tice is great. Is good. He's honestly one of the best like role-playing centers. I really do believe that for his role, he is a great player for that. But it's just the height, man. When you have someone like Bam Adebayo who could do basically everything on the offensive end besides hitting the three, he just completely scored Tice yesterday. And throughout the series, Tice couldn't handle the lob. And, and it just felt like, you know, the Boston Celtics were just too short. That's really, like, I, I want to come up with a pun. They just came up short. And that was, like, really the big issue in this. And I'm not saying get rid of Tice. Definitely not. I wanted to keep keep him around. Um, Brad Stevens seems to really trust this guy. And I would, too. I mean, he's played great, like, during this playoffs. You can't complain for him, like, giving him his all-out effort. But they're just missing a center. They really are. They have all these, like, young guys. I mean, they're going to be able to figure it out. I'm not worried about them. Marcus Smart on a, on a multi-year deal having Tatum, Brown, Kemba, they're going to figure it out. They have the talent. This is just a learning experience for them. But if there's one thing they have to change about this roster, it's bringing the center. And I've seen, like, you know, these Bleacher Report um, articles, and one of the main themes um, for them is it's kind of the same way I'm thinking. Get them a center who, one, is athletic, two, doesn't mess with their spacing, and three, who's just tall enough to just, like, contest some of these, like, new and upcoming bigs in the NBA. 
And the one center that's like being thrown around is Miles Turner. And I like that idea because Indiana, they still don't know whether this Sabonis um, Turner front court is really going to work. And the Boston see, like has seen this year. Tice is good, but we just need a bigger center out there. And Miles Turner is that prototypical modern day center that we've been waiting for. Um, that we've been waiting for him to like kind of blossom, which he hasn't like yet. I still think he's a very good center with lots of potential, but he hasn't been able to find his like consistent groove yet. And maybe a change of scenery will do that. And the Celtics, you know, have some assets. Maybe they'll trade Gordon Hayward. I would try my best not to, but at the same time, if you're going to get someone of um, Turner's caliber and contract, mind you, you're going to have to trade a big contract of your own. And I'm not saying that Hayward isn't instrumental. I think he's a great bench piece, but with the amount of wings that Boston has, you know, with Jalen Brown, Tatum, Smart, obviously, Kemba, and coming up the ranks, you know, they still have Brad Wanamaker. They still have, you know, Romeo Langford deep down in their bench. I think they'll be fine if they could trade Gordon Hayward for an immediate upgrade at center with Miles Turner. And I think that's something they should look into. I mean, if they have Miles Turner in that series, maybe he's going to be able to deal with Bam a bit better. And I think that this is that's just like the one thing that the Celtics are missing. So, you know, they put up a good fight. Um, just Bam just was a big problem for them. Obviously, they had those mental lapses on the defensive end. They couldn't play really a full 48-minute game. Once again, that happened in game six. They just could not, um, you know, defend in that fourth quarter. And now they have to go back to the drawing board. I don't think they have to change much. But at the same time, if you can get that upgrade on center, you know, get someone like a Mount Turner, I think they're in prime position for to compete for the championship next year. So, you know, starts for the Celtics. They put up a good fight, but, you know, there's, there's still a big future ahead of them. So just to close out things off, congratulations to the Heat. It's going to be exciting to see what Boston does going from here. And now we're going to move on to the second series, and we're going to be talking about the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Denver Nuggets. And we're going to talk about game five first. I mean, I, if you want to see like my full thoughts on that, go into my recap, so I'm not going to go super detailed into it, but, you know, Jamal Murray was dealing with some, you know, right leg injuries, whether it was his knee contusion, there was something going on with his foot. It was tough for them, and the Lakers just took over in that fourth quarter. More importantly, LeBron James. And scoring 16 points in that fourth quarter, hitting shot after shot, looking like the best player on the court. And the Nuggets just had no answer. I mean, the, one of the best players in the second half was Jeremy Grant. And as much as he's been great throughout the series, he just cannot go toe-to-toe with LeBron James. And LeBron absolutely took over in that fourth quarter to secure his 10th, yes, his 10th finals appearance. And the Lakers, you know, we're going to talk about how they were able to win the series. They just look like the best team in the league. And having that AD lebron duo, Arguably LeBron's best teammate of all time. That could be put up for discussion, obviously, because he had Dwayne Wade um, is a is very up, especially up there because he is one of the best shooting guards of all time. But Anthony Davis, like in his prime at this age, being the best big man in the league, paired up with the best player in the league, LeBron, it's definitely hard to stop. And the Nuggets really to try their best. I'm going to go into them a bit later after I talk about the Lakers, but they're just they're just so good. And the, like I said, LeBron had the like the the performance of the bubble, like his best performance in the bubble, going 38 points, um, 16 rebounds, 10 assists, 
And he just wanted to remind y'all, you guys are trying to compare me to Kawhi, Giannis, KD all these years. But at the end of the day, it all comes back to LeBron James and how he is still the best player in this league. And what is crazy about this team with the Lakers, obviously LeBron and AD are going to do their thing. There's no denying that. But the fact that they had all these players buy into the system, all these veterans buy in, has been absolutely amazing. And like, even though, like, like I said, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, they'll give you 25-plus points a game. But the good thing about the Lakers is that they had, you know, the third guy. It could be someone different every day, whether it was maybe Kyle Kuzma, whether it was Rondo, whether it's Caruso, Dwight Howard sometimes. Like, they're just able to get from those guys, and they're all just able to buy in. And the most, and the one person I do want to talk about is Dwight Howard. And what was crazy is that before the season, he was basically out the league. No one signed him, and the only reason the Lakers signed him was because DeMarcus Cousins went down with another ACL injury. But then they bring in Dwight Howard. They tell him, look, we don't need you to, be, to try and be that 2010, you know, late 2000 Dwight Howard, who was a consistent defensive player of the year, you know, 20 and 10 type player. We need you to play defense and get rebounds and run to the rim. That's all you got to do. And at times, you know, early in the playoffs, Dwight was still trying to get his post-ups. He was trying to do that. But at this point in time, especially looking at game six, game five, where Howard played the most minutes he's played in the bubble and only attempted four shots. And that just tells, like, how much people are buying in. Um, these people are buying in. Dwight Howard's one job was to guard Nikola Jokic. And he did that to perfection. He got Jokic frustrated, and though Jokic, again, in game five, lots of clumsy fouls. He put his team at a disadvantage for, by getting three fouls early in that first half and being and being able to only play, you know, eight minutes. Like, that really put that team in a disadvantage. And, you know, Dwight Howard was a big part of that. He was getting Jokic frustrated, and he was just being physical with him. And Dwight Howard, obviously not the type of player he was um, back in the late 2000s, but He's still a damn good player, and he was able to show that he still can contribute to a championship-winning team. And moving into the starting lineup gave him the confidence. LeBron, having LeBron an AD in his ear, along with Frank Vogel, telling him, we don't need much from you. We just need you to give your best on the defensive effort and just get a rebound. And Dwight Howard bought in, and now they're going to the NBA Finals. I mean, like I said, I keep saying, LeBron and AD, you don't have to worry about them about these other guys and just like LeBron and AD they look like they're all going for the same goal going for that championship doing it for the Lake organization which hasn't been to the finals in 10 years and Dwight Howard is just a pure is a just like pure example of what of the team just completely buying in and that is absolutely crazy you know like I said he was almost out the league after some horrible pit stops at Atlanta and Charlotte and now he's like a starting center on an NBA Finals team, which is absolutely crazy. So congratulations to the Lakers. Congratulations to LeBron at number 10. But like they said after the game, the job isn't finished. And I think they really believe that, and they're not going to – they're not taking off the foot off the gas pedal at any point. It's going to be an extremely exciting series with the Heat, and I will be talking about that a bit later. But we got to talk about the Denver Nuggets. And I talked about it a bit before how win or lose, you know, the Denver Nuggets put up a huge – fight in these NBA playoffs 
And like again, another type of Cinderella story, kind of like the Miami Heat, where no one really expected this. I mean, we thought they were going to be gone first round after going down 3-1 to the Jazz. We're able to lock down, lock in, and finish that series. Same thing with the Clipper series, you know. Everyone wrote them off, even before a series. They're like, this is, this is meant to be a Clippers-Lakers conference finals. And, Denver, and the Denver Nuggets put a whole stop to that. And now they go into this, you know, go into the Lakers series and give the Lakers, you know, the best fight they've had in, the, in this playoffs. Compared to the Rockets and, you know, Blazers, the Nuggets really did put up a fight, and they showed why they were the comeback kids. Like, there was no point, like, besides game one. I mean, I know game one, I think the Lakers dominated. But besides that, I mean, the Lake, the Nuggets always felt like they were in the game somehow, some way. Even in this game five when they lost by double digits, they were in it. They had the game tied at 84-84, and they still were fighting hard, even through Jamal Murray's injury, even through the Jokic foul trouble. They were able to fight hard and keep making a series, although it ended the same way as the Rockets and the Blazers. And like the Celtics, I mean, I talked about the Celtics, how they're so young, they still have um, lots of years, no, lots of years to figure this out, but this is just more of a learning experience for them. You can say the same thing about the Nuggets. I mean, sure, they didn't have as much pressure as the Boston Celtics, but they've shown in this um, playoff run that they have two star-slash-superstar type players that these guys are able to take them deep into the playoffs. And it had to take them, and it really did take the Lakers, LeBron James, to go full Super Saiyan mode, no emotion LeBron, to win this game. And I think that's a W, because LeBron hasn't like been at his best in this bubble. And Game 5 was just a LeBron performance that everyone knew was coming and everyone was waiting for. And it really took that to like to take the Nuggets out in 5. And that's a fair play for the Nuggets. I mean, the fact that they were able to keep it close and activate that version of LeBron there, that's a W. And I just think that they had like a very successful season looking from all perspectives. Like I said, Murray and Jokic proved to be that they're elite players. And just to see like going forward, like how these guys are going to continue you know, to build the chemistry and stuff like that. And I'm not going to talk more about Jokic because over the past few years, Jokic has been a near MVP candidate. We know what we're going to be getting from Nicole Jokic. But it's going to be most exciting to see what's going to happen with Jamal Murray. Because during the regular season, he was averaging under 20 points a game. And a lot of people were questioning whether that contract was worthy um, was a worthy price for Jamal Murray because he, yes, he's a good player, but no one would even consider him a top 10 point guard before the season. Like, was he really worth it? And in these playoffs, I mean, you just got to look at the stats because he, like, reached numbers that he has never reached in his career before. In 19 games, this guy averaged 26 points per game, almost seven assists, almost five rebounds, 50% from the field, 45% from three, basically 90% of the line, the true shooting percentage being 63%. And for the first time in his career, he looked like a superstar. And being, you know, the guy from Canada, uh, being a guy from Toronto, watching someone from, like, our country doing this well is obviously really fun to watch. And he just showed, like, you know, he is the best Canadian player in the league right now. And he showed that he has that superstar potential that. People have been waiting for him. I mean, he has changed the whole narrative of who, how people view him as a player. And he's done it, like, and I told you, the best, like, in the most, you know, stressful time in basketball, like, where the pressure is most put on. This guy has, like, broken records. 
this guy's been unbelievable. Like people like I know this seems like a long time ago, but this guy, along with Donovan Mitchell, became the third and fourth players in NBA history to score multiple fifty point games in a single playoff series. Like like this guy just looks absolutely phenomenal. Even up against the Lakers, he was able to put up some big games and still become that player he is at times looking like the Nuggets best player. And even Jokic said after the game, I mean Maybe Jokic is the best player sometimes, but Jamal Murray is the driving force of that team. And he showed it, like, you know, he showed heart, he showed determination, and he showed that, you know, the Nuggets are no joke, and he was able to elevate them to the next level. Like I said, his player stats are insane, but the true, you know, showing of a superstar is being able to do it for the duration of the season. And it's going to be very exciting to see what Jamal Murray does, you know, building off this phenomenal playoff run because, yes, he hasn't averaged over 20. I think he only averaged 20 points, over 20 points a game once in his career, and I believe it was last season, not this season. And let's see if he's going to be able to do this because there's very few people in the league that could do what he did in this playoff run. And if he wants to be, you know, among, you know, the superstar players, you know, when we talk about um, Jokic, when we talk about um, James Harden and all that, he's going to have to do what he did in this playoffs on a regular basis. Maybe not 27 and 6, and like on like 50, 40, 90, basically. But, you know, over 24 points a game, you know, over six assists a game, he's going to have to do that if he wants to be revered with the same, like with the same type of talk as the other guys. So that's going to be extremely, um, um, it's going to be extremely interesting, interesting to see where he goes from here because we know what Jokic can do. We've seen how he's done it over the past few years. But now it's Jamal Murray's turn to, to take that next step. And if he's going to be able to do that, I, do, I expect the um, Nuggets to be in a similar position next year. But it's going to be hard because, you know, the, the West is so loaded. But still, I expect them to be in, like, in a similar position. And, you know, what's the rest of these guys? I mean, there's going to be some guys going to free agency, um, one including Jeremy Grant, who has been absolutely phenomenal in these playoffs. If I'm the um, Nuggets, I would try to bring him back. And there's a lot of things they could do here. I mean, Bull Bull is still on their roster. Hopefully they can continue to develop him to bring him into the rotation. Hopefully Michael Porter Jr. works on his defense because we've seen his offensive production in the bubble, especially before the playoffs, averaging over 20 points a game. He has that in him. And if he can stay up like late in games by improving on his defense, this guy could be an absolutely ball, an absolutely fantastic player for them and, you know, be looked at as their third star to help um, – move forward and try to, like, get them into, like, finals contention once again. So there's a lot of positives to go with this um, Nuggets team. If there's only, like, one addition I would want to add, um, if they don't want to bring back Paul Millsap, maybe try to bring in another veteran to that starting lineup. Maybe a couple of veterans to add to the bench as well, just so you to have, like, a nice mix of, you know, young guys and veterans, kind of like how the Miami Heat are trying to do it. But there's so much promise in this Denver Nuggets team. I just want to see – Jamal Murray, you know, take that next step um, in his career, do this consistently. And who knows, we might see them back in this position next year. They have proven, you know, to have a very deep roster and their talent is enough to take them this far into the playoffs. So although they lost in five, good effort from the Denver Nuggets. There's a lot to be proud of if you're a Nuggets fan. And one more time, congratulations to the Lakers. And to see, like, LeBron James in his 10th finals is going to be absolutely crazy. And I'm just excited for these NBA Finals in general. So let's get right into it because we're going to be talking about the NBA Finals matchup. 
the fifth seeded Miami Heat team, who I believe in this um, broadcast yesterday, they said this is the third team in the last 36 years to not have like a home playoff advantage, you know, like fourth seed and above to make the finals. And they're going up against one of the toughest teams in the league in the Los Angeles Lakers, who many people coined them to be here at the end of the year, myself included. I had them facing the Philadelphia 76ers in the finals. Obviously, the 76ers aren't here, but we have the Miami Heat. And I want this matchup um, better than the Boston Celtics and Lakers matchup just because I like the matchups. When you look at Boston Celtics, sure, they have plenty of guys to throw up LeBron James, whether it be Smart, Jalen Brown, whoever. They just don't have an answer for Anthony Davis. And the fact that you've seen Bam dominate the Celtics, if the Celtics were able to come back in that series, I wouldn't have confidence in them going up against Anthony Davis. But you have the the Miami Heat. And what I like about them, it's just the matches they can provide for the Lakers. You have three wing players that you can throw at LeBron, being Jay Crowder, Jake, uh, Andre Godala, Jimmy Butler. And then at center, you have Bam and Bio to deal with Anthony Davis. And I think that's just going to make it super hard for both of their stars. And it's going to require, you know, a third person, whoever it is on the Lakers, to try to have to step up and try to win them some, to help win them some games. And although the Heat are not the most talented team, I mean, if you look at their best player being Jimmy Butler, you can argue that he is a top 10 player. I still don't believe he is. Very close to it, though, but he's not on the level of an Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And they just don't really have the talent to match up with the Lakers. But what they've shown, it, what they've shown and I've been preaching about this even early in this podcast, is that they have the culture, they have nothing to lose, and they're going into this series, you know. And I think they just want to, like, make the Lakers frustrated. They're going to try to be chippy with the Lakers. And they're going to try to make everything as hard as possible. You see them, like, not being afraid to go into different types of zones, being able to go man-to-man. They have so many things they can throw at you, and although they don't have the talent that the Lakers have, they have the schemes and they have the depth. But like I said, you know, AD and Braun are just on another level, and, you know, both these guys in the playoffs, I mean, over 25 points a game and the type of stat that they're just putting up, I mean, this has just been absolutely crazy. And like I said, we haven't seen, like, the fullest form of a Braun and you're going to have to assume that's going to happen now because I'm saying it's not the, like, the best version of LeBron. This guy's averaging freaking 26 points, 9 assists, and 10 rebounds a game. While Anthony Davis is helping him a lot, you know, averaging 29, 9, and 4. Like, these guys are just, like, on a whole new level. And it's going to be difficult to see if, like, the Heat are going to be able to, like, match them, you know, bucket for bucket. Because – them having the ability to have someone, you know, go off at certain points in, like, in like certain games, like Tyler Hero being the lead scorer one night, Gordon Drogs being a different scorer on, on a different night, maybe Jimmy Butler, is a blessing. But it also could be a curse because there's going to be times where you see the Lakers just consistently go to LeBron and AD, and they're going to be totally locked in. And I just don't think the Heat have that true guy to that number one guy. I mean, maybe he's going to be Jimmy Butler but he's just like kind of like passive at some points in the game. But they just don't have like, you know, that go-to score like the Lakers do. And then they do it kind of by committee. And it works throughout this first three rounds, but it's a whole new ball game when you're facing up against this Los Angeles Lakers. And 
the Lakers are going into this heavy favorites as they should be. A lot of people are saying, look, the Heat have had a good run, but we've seen all these um, teams have good runs, whether it be the Nuggets, whether it be the Rocket, um, the Nugget, the Rockets, the Blazers before the season. It's like maybe they have a chance against the Lakers, but they always seem to come up short, and they're expect, and a lot of people are expecting the same thing from this Miami Heat team. But the NBA is all about matchups, and the Heat probably one of the only teams in the league that are able to match up with the Lakers defensively at the very least, you know, having the personnel to guard both of their stars. But it also does feel like the Lakers are meant to win the championship this year. I don't want to bring up Kobe, but it felt like this is the perfect tribute to Kobe. The way things are going on, you know, the whole social justice issues going on and LeBron James being at the forefront of all this. It just really does feel like this is all like going to culminate in a Lakers victory. And, you know, this team is legit. These guys have two top five stars. And like I said, the chemistry has been real for a team who only have been put together this year, you know, bringing Anthony Davis, bringing Dwight Howard. They just look completely locked in. But I, I, it was so hard for me to pick this series. It, it's just so hard because my mind is going Lakers, but my heart is saying the Heat are just going to completely shock the world. And the reason that being is that this bubble is just a whole new ball game. Yes, the Lakers are locked in, but the Heat are also locked in. And the Heat, what's dangerous about them is that they have nothing to lose. All the pressure is on the Lakers. And yes, they can, they're going to be able to handle the pressure. LeBron James has had pressure throughout his entire career. But this Heat team, man, there's just something about them, something about this culture that just makes you want to not bet against them, not bet against Jimmy Butler the emergence of Bam Adebayo, and just the depth of this team. And although it does feel like this is the Lakers championship, I'm getting that 2004 Detroit Pistons vibe from the Miami Heat, and that they're just going to be able to win by committee. And I know it's a tall order, but I just, I'm going to go Heat at seven. I'm going to go Heat at seven. That's going to be my shock prediction. I just believe that the bubble has proven to be a place where you have to expect the unexpected. And I think that the Heat, like I said, the matchups work. They have, you know, more reliable scorers all around. I mean, they, like I said, anyone can be the leading scorer at any night. And they just have so many ways they can beat you, whether it's by the three ball, by Jimmy Butler, by going to the rim with Bam Adebayo. They just have so many. And with, you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron, you know, having to face such good defensive players, they have both of them, like, uh, obviously they're probably not going to struggle, but say if they, like, don't have, like, a fantastic night, who is that reliable third option for the Lakers? They're going to need that to – need someone to step up in that scenario, and I'm not sure if anyone could really do that on a regular basis. And at times, you know, we've seen this playoffs that no one – sometimes no one from that third um, option spot will step up. And I just think with this heat, you just got to trust the culture. You got to trust the way they're playing. And this is just like me going off my gut. I know the Lakers are the sensible pick. I was really um, going to pick the Lakers in six, but I, I'm i going to go Heat in seven. It's going to be – this is an absolutely crazy season, and I'm just going to continue to build that narrative that this is probably going to be one of the most craziest seasons in recent history. And I think this is going to end with the Miami Heat winning in seven. Uh, it was definitely tough to pick there, but the Heat just – just, I, I'm, I, I'm all in on the culture. The Heat culture is, is real. 
and I really do believe they're going to win this series. So I'm going to have the Heat at seven. Yeah, that's going to be a tough prediction. Obviously, I know a lot of people are going to choose the Lakers, but let me know below. Who do you have winning this series? And just let me know, like, who do you think is going to be, like, the Finals MVP as well? Because it does feel like if the Lakers win, it's probably going to be LeBron James. And if the Heat win, it's probably going to be Jimmy Butler. So leave your thoughts on that below. And, yeah, I'm just excited for this series coming up. Starting on Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern. Cannot wait for the Finals. But I think this is where we're going to end today's podcast. Um, thank you guys for watching slash listening. Remember, if you're on YouTube, to like, share, and subscribe. That would be very much appreciated. If you're any on any of the podcast networks, remember to show some love. All of my links are in my link tree. And remember if, to like follow all my social media platforms at TV on Basketball for more NBA Finals content for days to come. But yeah, before we, we want to end this episode, I obviously have to do like my, um, my message the election is coming up. Remember, if you're in the U.S., be prepared to register to vote. Every vote counts. We lots of um, systemic problems in the U.S., a lot of social justice issues that need to be addressed. And although we're up for the NBA Finals, we, there's still a bigger task at hand, and everyone needs to contribute. So, yeah, just continue to vote. I might have a, a link in my bio. I honestly, I wish I could, but I'm not an American citizen. But yeah, just remember that to keep putting pressure on your politicians and, you know, help, you know, fight for systemic change. But yeah, this is where we're going to end today's episode. Thank you guys for taking time out of your day to watch or listen to this. I really do appreciate it. And I'll be back on, I want to say Thursday after game one for another podcast. At least that's the plan. So very excited for that. But yes, um, I appreciate all of you guys. Thank you guys for watching, slash listening. And I'll catch you guys on Thursday. TV signing out. Hope you have a great day. 